We are a nation in debt, and I'm not just talking about financial. I'm referring to security debt, defined as aging and accumulating flaws in software. Security debt is emerging as a significant pain point for organizations across industries. The largest amount of security debt across applications comes from cross-site scripting, with injection, authentication, and misconfiguration flaws making up sizable portions as well. Hi, I'm Joan Goodchild, Content Director with IDG, and in this first episode of our second season of A Hard Look at Software Security, we'll discuss why this finding about cross-site scripting is noteworthy and how security managers can arm themselves with this knowledge to tackle the problem. I'm joined by Tim Jarrett, Senior Director of Product Management with Vericode. Welcome, Tim. Thanks, Joan. It's great to be here. Great. Now, this is our second season of A Hard Look at Software Security. Let's start by talking about the report that we base the series on, the state of software security from Vericode. Can you give us a quick overview of the research? Sure. So we've been doing the state of software security for more or less 10 years, and and we do the report in a kind of unique way where uh, a lot of research in cybersecurity is based on response data from surveys. We actually are looking at the code that our uh, that our customers write to understand where the security problems lie and over time how organizations are actually going after fixing those problems so it's it's really kind of a an interesting look not just at how risky software can be but also how are organizations actually able to remove some of that risk and and what are the lessons that we can share with the broader industry about that what did the report find this year when it comes to security debt? So security debt's been a topic that we've wanted to talk about for several years. And, and you know, really, this year was the first year that we dug into it in, in real depth. And the idea with security debt is that you have a set of findings that just never get fixed. They kind of carry over from year to year and, and, uh, and stay in the application kind of forever. And... What we found that was really interesting and and noteworthy was not the fact that security debt exists. I think pretty much uh, everybody that that spends any time looking at the security of of, uh, application software knows that, but it's where where security debt doesn't exist or where security debt uh, exists in a lower concentration that, that was really interesting. And what we found specifically was that organizations that were practicing DevSecOps, that combination of of development, security, and operations kind of as one flow, were carrying much, much less security debt. And, and, you know, in particular, the the practice that we found that was correlated with lower security debt was organizations and application teams that were regularly scanning their code on a a daily or better-than-daily basis. Um, And those same organizations not only had less security debt to begin with, they were also the most successful at retiring the security debt that they did have. So the the research seems to point to a set of practices around really embedding application security testing in the software development process that that is really, really effective at addressing software risk in a way that we haven't seen be true for other uh, other ways of dealing with the problem. Let's dig into the cross-site scripting factor. Why is that noteworthy? 
Yeah, so let's let's talk about the the makeup of the security debt that we saw because that's that's an interesting fact as well. One of the things that we took took a look at was how software vulnerabilities lingered over time and and you know kind of what was the makeup of the population of of old flaws that we're calling security debt in the study. And the the thing that is is noteworthy about that that population that makeup is that a lot of the the security debt that lives in uh, modern web applications, better than 50%, in fact, is cross-site scripting. Now, this isn't an exotic flaw category. It's it's pretty well understood. It's a way that you can trick a web page into doing something that the web page author didn't intend, and that could be anything from you know putting a naughty word on the page to stealing information and sending it uh, off to the the person that wrote the attack. But the uh, the fact that not only is it, in spite of being a well-understood attack, that the, the flaws for this category linger forever and, in fact, get worse over time was really kind of eye-opening for us. And, you know, I, I think that the takeaway from this is that there's not really a magic wand uh, to fix some of these uh, long-standing software problems. There isn't a single you know, kind of piece of code that you can bolt into an application to fix the issues. And it's it's not the sort of thing where if a development team does a, a fix here and a fix there, that it really addresses the problem. I think that what the, the data shows is that if you're serious about reducing the software debt, you, you have to take a couple of different approaches. One is to, to, to prioritize the fixing, and it, it can't just be an occasional priority to fix security problems. It's got to be something that you can, that you do as part of your regular software development process and that developers need help understanding how to, how to fix the issue. And this is especially true with cross-site scripting. It's really subtle. It's, there is no one size fits all fix for that problem. So this, this one area of software weakness is, is a little bit of a microcosm of, of the the general application security problem. You know, I, I think that the one really promising thing about it is that the the fact that organizations that that are engaging more frequently in the application security testing part seem to be getting better at fixing. That that's encouraging. That says that this is something that people can learn how to do, and that over time, that really allows people to, to get after the the problem in a better, more systematic way. A reminder that this podcast is brought to you by Vericode, which delivers the application security solutions and services today's software-driven world requires. Tim, Vericode also uncovered some interesting findings on how organizations are prioritizing fixes. Can you explain that? Yeah, we saw a number of different things in the data that gave us some insights into how development teams were prioritizing the security findings that they were going after. And what was really interesting to us was the the richness of the data that we were able to understand around how they were going after these issues. Traditionally, when as security professionals, people look at the um, the, the findings from an application security test, usually the types of lens that people think about are, you know, how how severe is the problem? Like, how likely is it that somebody can actually you know create some significant damage by exploiting this issue? Or they might look at, you know, is this a, a, a type of software flaw that is well-known and likely to be, you know, 
well understood by an attacker. So there there are some industry standard types of findings put out by groups called the like the Open Web Application Security Project, the OWASP project. And so a lot of security folks tend to assume that you should prioritize according to whether the finding ends up on one of those lists or or not, or you know based on whether the the, the issue is really severe or not. And the data didn't really bear that out. We did see some modest upticks for um, how often uh, or how completely software issues were fixed based on how severe they were or, or whether they were on one of these lists. But they didn't get fixed faster. It's as though you know there there was a uh, you know a, a bucket of of findings marked very high severity. Developers were were pulling things out of that bucket at about the same rate that everything else was being pulled out. It's just that they were going a little deeper in the bucket. So you know really when when we look at how uh, people go after fixing software vulnerabilities, we care about how thorough they are. But we also care about how quickly they, they fix the issue. And, and that's because the longer a software vulnerability stays open, the more likely it is that somebody's going to explore, exploit the, uh, the, the vulnerability and find a way to break into the application. So when we looked at the data, we found that the, uh, the findings that were being fixed more thoroughly and were being fixed more quickly tended to be kind of the low-hanging fruit, the really easy things to fix. They were something in the way the application was configured in production that didn't require a code change, or they could have been the elimination of a weak uh, password on a default account. But the more complicated issues, uh, cross-site scripting, SQL injection, even though they were more dangerous, they were being fixed less frequently, and they were taking a lot longer to be fixed when they did. And so this is really how you get security debt building up. You have application security problems that stick around for long periods of time where the development team doesn't target all of them for fix. Um, and I, I think the, the, the study seems to suggest something about the relationship between how well understood the fixes for some of these problems are with, uh, with how quickly and, and thoroughly the flaws end up getting fixed. And it tends to suggest that education needs to be a, a piece of the uh, a piece of the puzzle. So explain to us why that matters for enterprise security and why it seems like security debt is not being discussed. Yeah, I, I think that this is the the really challenging part of of doing application security is that you have the the people who care the most about the security of software typically in an IT security function who don't have the ability to directly reach out and fix the application security problems that are being uncovered. They have to work with the development teams that are writing the software. And sometimes going across that organizational line can be uncomfortable, um, especially for folks who didn't come out of a development career track in the first place and, and maybe don't know the right way to communicate with developers. So security teams can try to fix issues by, you know, prioritizing the easy fixes in production, and 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 the data suggests that sometimes that does happen, but it it still means that the risk uh, stays alive in the application, and I think that's a big part of why we see organizations that are explicitly targeting only fixing the new flaws from a certain point. You know, let's 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 say that. We're not going to worry about the the mountain of security debt that we're sitting on. We're going to make sure that we're clean going forward. That's a great 
you know, way of thinking about ensuring that newly written code is kept secure, but it doesn't really do anything about the risk from the, the, the security problems that are already in the code that are being developed. And I think that the, the challenge to enterprise security teams and, and development teams alike is how do we find good ways to go after the risk that's already in the application that's in production. And, and that's where I think the research suggests, you know, again, we have this, this finding that teams that are, are testing their application more frequently are, are getting more familiar with the, the security findings are much more able to retire that debt. I, th I think the statistic in the report was something like, you know, the teams that were scanning most frequently were able to retire three times the amount of security debt than their counterparts who were only scanning monthly or, or, or less frequently than that. So, you know, I, I think the data says that there's there's no substitute for rolling up your sleeves and, and getting in there and, and looking at the, the, uh, the where the vulnerabilities are in testing and retesting frequently. Um, and in using those those integrated security testing skills as a way to to bring the team to a higher level of knowledge about how security problems work and and what they can do to fix them. So you know I, I think the the two things that we you know we look at for folks who are are launching an application security program are number one, Automation matters and, and getting uh, application security testing to be taken in as a part of what the development teams do is really critical. And number two, it's really important to help the developers learn what those problems are that are being turned up and how they can fix them. And, you know, training the developers, offering them hands-on coaching, whatever it takes to get that knowledge transfer is going to be the way that they're going to be in enabled to retire some of the mountain of security debt that, that unfortunately pretty much every application development team ends up sitting on when they uh, when they inherit the applications that they're maintaining. Great. Well, that is all the time we have for today. I want to thank Tim Jarrett for joining us. Thanks, Tim. Thank you very much for having me. And you can check out Veracode.com for more information about flaw fix rates and how your organization can address them. For IDG and Veracode, I'm Joan Goodchild. A reminder that you can find more episodes of A Hard Look at Software Security in the podcast section of CSO Online, also available through the Apple Podcasts app or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is produced by IDG Communications Incorporated in association with its sponsor, Veracode.